everyone, welcome back to the podcast. Today we have an interview for you with the artist Aurelius. Aurelius is a St. Petersburg, Florida-based artist who is super involved in the community and the creative community of St. Pete's and is also a muralist. So if you've been to St. Pete's, you may have seen Bob the Robot um, painted on various buildings around town. You are going to hear about Aurelius's creative journey, how he became an artist, um, and what he's up to now. And I also think it's really helpful just for context whenever we interview artists that you go check out their work on Instagram or their website, both of which are linked in the show notes, just so you have some context of who we're talking to. It's visual medium, and we are in a (laughs) non-visual. You're listening in a non-visual medium, so I think sometimes it's helpful to have those visual visual aids. Um, So go look at his work while we talk. Um, This was just a really awesome conversation, very honest and open, and I think there are a lot of really inspiring nuggets in here that you'll be able to take away. So... Thank you so much for listening. And without further ado, here is our conversation with Aurelius. I want to thank you also for coming on. <laughs> Megan has said such like wonderful things about you and like everything you do for artists in the community. And I just thought like, you know, this show, that's like the whole point of the show is to like spread positive energy and support fellow artists. And I feel like you're doing so, so many like tangible things in your community to do that, you know? Um, and like, she specifically was like, you know, you've helped her so much with her, it's already with her like career and stuff. But so how did you and Megan meet? Um, I met her from, we do this art show every Mm -hmm. year. It's called, um, the St. Pete Robot Exchange. And Mm -hmm. it's basically just like an annual show about robots. Okay. And me and another artist, his name is Zulu Painter. You guys might know him. I don't know. Okay. He gets around. He, he runs around the whole country making murals and stuff. Okay. He's in Austin right now helping Daz make a giant mural. So we wanted to make an art show, but at the time here, there was a lot of, like, exclusivity. Everyone was trying to be, like, I don't know, be cool or something. Mm-hmm. You can only let the hot artists or, like, the best artists be in the show and we were a little tighter to that so we were like we're gonna keep it a secret but anyone who wants to be in the art show can be in the art show like if they Mm -hmm. apply they're in yeah and we've done that i think oh yeah we missed a year because of covid because we didn't want to do it and you know make it unsafe you know place and you know spread covid around but we just did it, I don't know, a couple months ago. And that's how I met Megan. Yeah. Because she applied. And at first she was just like, you know, is this good enough or whatever? And I'm like, no, no, apply. I mean, I think she was actually the first one to apply because she listens to this podcast that you do in St. Pete that I was on. And it was like the first kind of time I kind of like announced it was going to come back because – you know, after the coronavirus, people like I was running to people, and they're just like, "Oh, come on, you gotta do the robot show again. You gotta do the robot show again." And I said it, and then I think she was watching, and then yeah, I think she was one of the first people to apply for that show. But yeah, um, I met her that way, and she came all out. Mm-hmm. Half, of the, half of the part of the show is like people are supposed to dress up as robots and you know, come to it. And it was like very interactive. And she and her husband 
they dress up in crazy robotic creations and yeah, I met her there and I don't know, just started being friends with her and that's awesome. I mean, I I love that you created an inclusive show because um personally I after I went I went to art school where there was very much this energy of like superiority and like exclusivity. And I felt like after I graduated, so intimidated to even like apply to a show because I'm like, oh my God, I'm not good enough. There's all this like, I'm not good enough that I think is projected at artists, especially when they're just, when they're just starting out or actually honestly at any point of your career. Yeah, um, have it because I think they bake it into everything. They do. For some reason, I don't know what it is. I don't know why. And I just, it's really frustrating. It's frustrating because, like, how are you supposed to learn how to, like, be in a show or, like, write your bio or, you know, all these things if, like, no one's giving anybody a chance except for people who've already been in other shows, who've already done other things. It does. It's never made any sense to me. Yeah, you really got to take the time to kind of, like, give some information back and some encouragement. I mean... We're all a little bit the same, and there's always like that. Oh, am I good enough? Like, how come I made this painting and it didn't sell? Is that something bad? Does the painting suck? Mm -hmm. Like, I'm I'm trying to do these YouTube videos about art, but they're not going anywhere. Am I horrible? Are they, they suck? I mean, and we should remember that like everyone's doing that, and just be a little nice to each other about it. I mean, yeah. there's no reason for that. Yeah, so I think Megan uh, actually sent me a video of yours on YouTube that was talking about uh, was talking about rejection, and um, I loved everything you were talking about. How, especially, not that you have to like recap the whole, the whole video, but I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about rejection just for our audience and like your experience with it and what you've like learned about it. Well, first, um, if you want to be an artist, you're going to get rejected a lot, a lot, a lot, always. <laughs> mm-hmm. And art is a very personal thing. Like uh, most of us, we feel like we create art. It's like, you know, like exposing or bringing to the world like a deep part of ourselves. We put ourselves into art. And when you get rejected from like an art show or something like that, it's very easy to have it go inside and hurt you. Mm -hmm. And I've seen these things, I've been on the other side of it and the people, they're not really looking inside your soul. They're just quickly glancing at a painting. And most of the time there's other factors at play. They're like, oh, we already have too much art of this type. Sometimes they're just like, we already have too many artists of this type. So it's like, you really can't take it personal. So mm-hmm. the advice I give is like, go get a bunch of rejections. And the more rejections you get, the more good things you're going to get. I mean, and you kind of have to like trade it off like a numbers game. It's like, if you, if you never try, you're never going to get anything. You know what I mean? So true. The odds, yeah. I mean, we, we've talked to several artists that actually, I think, well, I think one once said like they were on the verge of like, maybe not continuing and giving up. And that's when they had their moment. 
Um, but it's exactly what you said. It's equipping yourself and knowing that like, put yourself out there, get rejected, get back up, do it again. And just having yourself mentally prepared to know that it is nothing to do with your talent and your skill, most likely. Um, so I work in advertising and I think of when we're casting talent for like commercials and stuff like that. Like it's someone like me behind the scenes. That's like, Oh, I got a vision. And this is what it is. It doesn't mean that the other people that are trying out aren't pretty enough or don't have the talent. No, it's purely because like there's a specific, you know, image that I have in my head that I've shared with the client and that's what we're drawn to. And that's what we want. Um, and I think that's the same thing with art. Like it's, mm -hmm. you know, the collector, they have something in their mind and that's what they're looking for. And it doesn't mean that yours isn't at the same level or, or sometimes it's even better. Uh, it's just like, at, that's just not the moment. Yeah. And that's just one person too. I'm a strong believer that every painting that I make will sell just like eventually, mm -hmm. because when you sell a painting, what really happens? Someone looks at it and it's almost like they fall in love with it and they buy it. Most of the time when I sell a painting, there's not really ever like, I'm a salesman. I'm trying to convince them to buy it. They're just like, I, I would like this painting. And you're like, oh, that's yeah. cool. Like, I thought no one, no one liked that painting. It sat for two years and I was thinking of painting over it the other day. And then, you know, bam. I literally was going to paint over a painting the other day, actually. So yeah, maybe I won't. Um, because it's so, it's so true. Like it, it really, it just takes the right, eyes to come across your work and yeah i very rarely have had people like you know try to negotiate with me i mean they sometimes try to negotiate on price like don't get me wrong but like and i know that in their mind like i, I want that you know mm -hmm. it's i think there's it's a law of attraction more than it is like sales tactics when it comes to art and therefore it requires you just continuously putting yourself out there. It's not, you know, pitching yourself harder, or trying to be something you're not. It's getting more eyes. Exactly. So I wanted to re like take a step back for a second. I'd love to know, you know, what drew you to being an artist in the first place? I mean, I, I always feel like that's a silly question because every artist I've ever met is like, I've always been an artist. Um, but was there like a moment you knew or um, something that specifically drew you to it? Yeah, um, I think it really happened in high school when I really decided like, hey, that's a, you know, a thing I can do. Um, I was failing everything. Um, the summer right before high school, I had um, an unfortunate thing where the SWAT team busted in my house and arrested my entire family for heroin trafficking. And oh my, my grandma moved in the house and stuff like that, took care of me. So I was kind of like in this weird place where I didn't want to talk to anyone for like ever. And it was just art, art, art. Um, in high school, they saw that I was failing all these art classes, but they saw that I was doing really good in his art classes. So they, you know, I, I guess the art teacher went and talked to someone and they just kind of gave me more art classes. They they even like invented a couple for me, um, wow. gave them weird names. And um, like the last year I was there, they had this 
he, Mr. Blavel, um, had this, oh, we're just going to call it Portfolio X and come here into the classroom and just like use whatever art supplies. And we actually have this like big closet thing. You can just go in there, make art. If you show it to me every once in a while, I'll, I'll give you an A or whatever. And um, that's that's when I was like, yeah, I'm going to be an artist. And I mean, I was already skipping school a bunch, but at that time I was doing it and trying to go downtown to the like more populated areas and like trying to get a show, trying to get my art into places at the same time. So, um, yeah. So you started young with the career of it. Um, I thought, so going back a little bit further, so knowing that it, it sounds like you were in high school is really when you like dove in, but prior to that, were you, you know, an artistic kid? Did your, did your family ever see that you were always drawing or was it really that moment in your life with that became oh, no, something was, that you took? Yeah, it was something I was always doing. I was always drawing and most of it was like trying to recreate stuff I saw in comic books. And also I had a big thing for graffiti. I would go to and get the, um, the source magazine. It was a hip hop magazine. It used to have um, back in, I don't know if it still does cause I haven't seen it in a while, but it has like all these pages of graffiti, like on trains in the back mm -hmm. of it. And I would just kind of like, just try to over and just replicate it over and over again. And I think there was a thing in middle school where they put me in some um, some art contest and I went to one of these museums here and the senator or something gave me an award for art or something like that. I don't have it. <laughs> that's, that's awesome. I feel like, you know, from what you said, there was a huge moment of trauma in your childhood with what happened with your family and art. I mean, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but kind of sounds like it was something that saved you or gave you hope. Um, oh, it still does. It still yeah. does. Yeah. And, I'm, and it sounds like there was also a teacher who maybe recognized that that was going to be something important to you and, and would save you. And, uh, yeah. you. Um, and I forgot, but he gave me this like really big book of Jean-Michel Basquiat's paintings. Oh, wow. Actually, he kind of slammed it on the desk and woke me up when I was sleeping on it. It scared me really bad. And he gave it, he gave it to me, and he was just like, you should be an artist. Like, you have something to say. And that's really he walked away. Like, and I was that's like, really yeah. cool. I have a question for both of you, just, like, from hearing this and think, reflecting back of, like, my art journey. Do you think, and I, I don't, did your family, I mean, I know like family like supports like, oh, you're going to do art, whatever. But did you find that your family was really like pushing to become an artist or just supporting that artist style? Or would you say it really took that artistic, that teacher in your life or someone that really. Yeah, it was an outside that, person. Yeah, an that they, person. Yeah, that knew like you have something special. Because sometimes I find, and this is just my personal thought is like, you know, parents, maybe your parents aren't artistic. Mine were not artistic parents. Well, they're musically artistic, but not drawing artistic. So like they didn't really know how to give feedback or know if I was more talented than the next. Um, but it, so for me, it came from an outside source. It was a teacher that I want to say, quote unquote, discovered um, and pushed me and encouraged me to pursue it. 
Um, was that how was that for either of you? Um, yeah, they don't really understand that. And um, there was a time when they saw that I was good at drawing and they wanted me to be a tattoo artist or something like that. Mm -hmm. But that was about it. And, um, you know, I went and I got a college degree in something totally unrelated in, in criminology and, you know, did a bunch of work. And it took until the pandemic to really, you know, I'm going to actually like really be an artist and that's how I make my money and stuff like that. Um, at that point, my mother had died, so she didn't really get to see it or whatever. So I'm sorry to hear that. Yeah. Um, I do remember her liking my paintings. Mm -hmm. Sometimes she would say things like, I wish you would paint more cheerful stuff. Maybe some flowers, please, for your mom, yeah. things like that. <laughs> but not really unsupportive, but it was just another like, yeah. world that she didn't really know about. Yeah. I would say my parents, it's not so much that they ever gave me like, constructive feedback or like but they knew that I had an ability um from the time I was really young and like put me in art classes and that I think was their way of of giving me the opportunity to have there be a teacher that would mm -hmm. push me and so like I don't know I think sometimes it's there's different ways of supporting people right like not everybody has to be like the hands-on person giving feedback you can be someone from a distance or like facilitating other people, you know, finding a path with art, which actually brings me to the next thing I want to talk about, which is your involvement in your own community in St. Pete, which we were talking a little bit about before um, we started recording. But um, you run some shows. You were talking, obviously, about the show you put on um uh, the robot show. Um, and I was wondering like, what inspired you to start creating shows for other artists? You know, like, I think not every artist wants to be a facilitator. Like what, it, what about that mm -hmm. attracts you? Um, at first it was a thing that we kind of had to do. Um, okay. there wasn't really much of an art scene up yeah. here in, in, in Florida and St. Pete. Um, there was, a lot of art, but it was like, you know, flamingos and dolphins, seascapes, sea turtles, stuff like that. Um, mostly along the beaches and things like that. And there was like a small little group of artists that were, you know, younger and, you know, really trying to do like, you know, cool other things besides like what you really have there. And there wasn't really a home for that. So we kind of had to create one, and I got involved in, in a little art collective, and it had some older artists. It had, I think I was the youngest one, really. And we went around the places and we're like, hey, can we do an art show? Um, you guys have like a cool venue here. And, you know, sometimes they wouldn't let us put screws or nails in the wall, so we're hanging things from the rafters with like fishing line stuff like that and so like as i started off as an artist i learned how to do that mm -hmm. so and it really took a long time so we were we were really doing that for a long time probably like six seven years until it became a thing where everyone wanted to do art shows at their place mm -hmm. um 
other people went out of their way and started making art shows. Um, I do a lot less of that now because it is like a lot of time, um, time consuming. Um, but I like to, to keep that robot art show because it's an annual thing that, and it's going to be coming up when it's 10 years, you should apply. It's going to be at the Morian Art Center. It's yeah. a nice place. I also didn't like how it wasn't inclusive, the art scene here. And it just really bothered me. And yeah. so when I do something, I want to be more inclusive. Mm -hmm. um, and I also made like this weekly event where uh, we call it the Wednesday night art meetup. And that's been going on for about 10 years now. Wow. Um, I don't go to it anymore because I'm old and it's at a bar and I can't really drink like that. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, wake up and feel good the next day. Yeah, but that was even about all about inclusion and anyone, any artist, they come. You can paint, you can talk, you can network, you can find out when the next art show's coming on. That's cool. And that place that we do it, they still do the art shows, and it's still really inclusive. Anyone can be in it, and they still let the artist keep a hundred percent of the sales. Wow. From that, from at that venue. That's awesome. Yeah, that's rare. Yeah, um, and really cool. over here. <laughs> yeah, not. No it does it here. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, I don't know if you guys had talked about this, but I wanted to like learn just a little bit more about you, your style, and what like how you evolved into your style. I think it's a very unique. Uh, First, I want to know about your name, <laughs> actually. Oh, my name. It's funny. It's a cool story. Okay. So I was in this gang, not like selling drugs or shooting people. We just kind of like ran around beating each other up and roving gangs of people. And they all went and they watched the, you know, the Russell Crowe Gladiator movie without me. They didn't, they didn't invite me. I don't know why. But my name is Mark. Mm -hmm. And when your name is Mark, you get Marky, Marco, Marcus. So... Marcus, I got a lot of that, and they went and they came back, and they were just like, you know, Marcus Aurelius uh -huh. was the movie, and they just called me that. And before that, I was into breakdancing a lot, yeah. and you get like a name for that. And like okay, you get like a name, so it was it was Marcus Aurelius for a long time, and then mm -hmm. like when I was like, I'm just gonna do art. I'm just Aurelius, and that's like a cool like. I I think that's really, it's a fun story too, because I, I think, you know, there's like Banksy, you know, and like people who have like names that they, they're per, or like a persona with their brand. name. Yeah, and they create sort of like a mythology around it too, which I think is, is really cool. It's like a stage name. It's like a stage yeah. name. Yeah, that's the word. Yeah, it's your. Anything better than Mark Phillips Stevens Jr. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> but I also think like for your artwork, it's 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 kind of very cool to have like that. Uh, I don't want to say like performance name, but it like keeps that like secret identity, and I think it's like very suiting. You too. Yeah. Before Facebook, uh, like, Facebook revealed. name <laughs> like made me change my name. It was sort of like I had a Banksy thing going. I I could go to places. And I could stand next to people and they wouldn't know it was me. And then they would find out and they're like, oh my God, that's why you're at all the art shows all the time. You know, stuff like that. But now it's like they got me. They got you. Yep. <laughs> on Facebook. <laughs> they see me coming from miles away. I can't do anything. 
fun. Yeah. <laughs> um, so now, yeah, okay, so I want to just okay, like, yeah. do one thing. Yeah, going on to Aaron's original question, like, we'd love to hear more about your style, how it's developed over the years, and what you're working on now. Yeah, and I'm just going to plug in one more little thing. <laughs> from, like, hearing from, like, street dancing and all that stuff, break dancing, like, would you identify yourself as a street artist? Yeah, a little bit. Um, that's not the normal thing I do, but I always like to pay it homage. Like for the last Shy Mural Festival, it's like I really needed a way to put a bunch of graffiti in there. Like mm -hmm. I know, I know, like the whole mural world—that's how it started. But it's trying to move away from that, and I'm just like, I need to have it in there. So that's why I had all the graffiti and the woman's flowing hair. Um, I'll send you guys a picture of it if you guys didn't see. I it. know which one you're. Yeah, I, I saw that one. Cool. Have it, and they were kind of a little like ah, with me at first when I told them like what I was gonna do with the idea, and then I was just like whatever, I'm gonna do it anyway. It's not gonna be bad. People sometimes they think it's bad, so I don't know why. Yeah, and I think street art is just so different depending on where you are, um, especially like when Chicago, like the, it, it's graffiti, but it's just takes on such a different level of art and i think that's where like it's almost like nowadays like street art can come into your home like, i yeah. think it's a specific style like and i see some of your work and i can see how it can be translated in large scale on a you know a large wall or something that is smaller that someone can take home and have that you know quote unquote street art style um in their mm -hmm. living room yeah and i really liked like the energy of it and how there's some griminess and some like realness to it. So sometimes I'll try to go out of my way to like, you know, make something look like it's been on a wall for some years and got like moss on it and, you know, like dirt and stuff like that. But yeah, that's where, that's where I really started in art. A bunch of that. I did go around and do graffiti. It was bad, but it happened. Mm -hmm. I wish I had the guts for it. I wish I did too. I was such a little good girl. I would never. I um, think, um, spray paint is illegal in Chicago. It is. You can't buy well, it can't in the buy city. It, yeah. It's just, you. it's not like illegal to have it in like your possession or anything like that, but you just you can't go to Home Depot. You can't or go to Home Depot. Maybe you have to be 18 or older. No, it's not sold at all in the city at all. Well, I know that be because good. I needed it for a project. Nowhere. Oh, so well, I, I buy it online. They ship it to me from Home Depot. <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. So that there's a lot of loopholes. It's really not <laughs> it's illegal like, here. It's just they try to, they make it unnecessarily. It's like if someone's going to do it, like it, that's really not going to stop them, you know? Or drive to the suburbs. I yeah. think it's a little silly. Yeah. Um, but I, I'd love to know too. So you, uh, in Chicago, there are a lot of um, uh, muralists who have certain like characters that you mm -hmm. see everywhere. Um, and you have a character, um, and I'd love to know the origin of Bob the Robot and what he means to you and what he means to St. Pete. Oh, I should have dusted him off to show you. But he uh -huh. started off as like this little cardboard guy made out of like cardboard boxes and like a toilet paper roll and some wire that I made, I made like, I don't know, 12, 13 of them for one of the first robot shows. And... You know, I had them on display, and then at the end of the night, I went and I, like, climbed up things, and I 
put them in trees and like hit them around. So like the next day there's, Hey, what is that robot doing in that tree? Stuff like that. But one of them was just like really cute. So I kept him. And after a while I was like, man, that thing's cute. And I started painting it. And then it developed a story. And the story is, um, he was a robot and then he drank too much whiskey. He had a device that is called a rice megatron that turns biological matter into nuclear energy, but he drank too much whiskey and it broke, causing him to be like self-aware. And now he just kind of roams the earth trying to figure out how to be a human. So he's tr- he's a robot trying to be a human. Yeah. Okay. So that. does this all come to life, this story, through different pieces or do you i mean you said that you started you liked looking at comics and it was doing kind of like was influenced by comic strips at a very young age have you ever developed like your own with this no i didn't make a comic of it but i made kind of like this weird half comic half youtube video about it um and it didn't really happen in the piece but if you look at a bob the robot painting Mm -hmm. it's always like he's in there trying to figure something out, like looking at something kind of evolved from, you know, people asking me about it. And then, you know, I wrote a thing about it once, <laughs> stuff like that. That's really cool. Do people in St. Pete, like, like I always look, I don't even, I don't even know the names of some of these characters that yeah. these artists uh, have on these walls in Chicago, but I'm like, Oh, there, there that guy is. And it's like, yep. It's almost like a fun little like scavenger hunt. I feel like when I get to see like, oh, that character is there too now. Um, are you finding that people in St. Pete are like engaging with Bob the Robot and like having that same sort of scavenger hunt experience? Yeah, I see it because sometimes I meet people and they're like, oh yeah, I know Bob. Bob the yeah, Robot. I know. <laughs> Everybody has their own relationship probably with Bob because they yeah. get to see Bob, you know, in their own context, on their own terms on the street, you know, versus like yeah. in a in a gallery space that's like been so clearly defined, you know. Is he tattooed on anyone that you're aware no, of? I, do. I mean, yeah, my buddy PT Collins, I met him because he bought a Bob the Robot painting at one of the bars that I did an art show at. Mm-hmm. He asked me to make a tattoo for him. I just drew it, but yeah, he has a tattoo of it. Oh, cool. He also has a car that is called the Bobmobile because there's this there's this organization here. It's called Art Carmada, where they like you know they get like grants and to get artists to paint on cars. And he was one of the guys, so he he like requested me, and I went and cool. painted this whole car with a bunch of Bob characters. That's great. That's awesome. That's so cool. So you seem to have like, I'm looking even behind you right now at one of your other paintings, um, but well, even other characters too. Do your other characters kind of have, have yeah. stories as well? Or is it just- here. Mm-hmm. Um, Describe this for our audience. Yeah. We- <laughs> okay. So there are a bunch of bunnies. Okay. And okay. they, and normally they're space bunnies, so they're, mm-hmm. they're different colors, like wild colors. These are all a version of brown colors. And the story about them is when there's like an important message or something that needs to be like shared with the world, they kind of congregate with each other and they like sing them in chorus. 
and kind of just like relay like the messages of the times. And this one is Black Lives Matter piece okay. where they're, you know, they have protest signs and they're very cool telling what should be told. Um, you know, how has the business side of your art evolved? Like, you know, when you, when did you first sell a painting and um, when did you start realizing this could be like a viable like career for you? Uh, I can't remember when I first sold a painting. Okay. <laughs> I remember the first time they were stolen from me. Oh, geez. It was in one of those shows I did in high school and it was, I found this tattoo shop that wanted a bunch of paintings and I had, I filled up their whole shop of paintings and they left overnight and took them all. Um, they never paid. But yeah. And they were, they just stole them and they, just, they stole stuff from the next business over and they just like hightailed it. Um, but really when the pandemic happened and I lost the job I had for like seven, eight years and I was doing both of them, you know, I was like selling art and having that job. And then right when that happened, I was like, Hey, look at this. I'm, I'm able to actually like keep things afloat, pay all the bills I have with the art. That's when I decided like I'd have to be more. And I got really into marketing things like making videos for a painting, putting online, trying to make, like a bunch of different revenue streams for my art, getting art on like t-shirts and little things for people to buy. Because before that I was just like really unorganized. And like, if you saw me at a place, you can buy my painting, like at an art show or something like that. You know, I got a website and made sure everything was there up to date. And that's when I really, I don't know, got into like a new level after that. Is there, I always talk about this in terms of my journey with um, becoming a full-time painter is that I, I was, I was not at a place before I took it full-time where I could have paid my bills with my art. And, um, but I knew I had to take this leap mm -hmm. and I knew that where I put my energy, that's where I would have more time, more energy to put towards it. And I would be able to make it work. Um, did you, did, was there, in a sense, like, you know, you losing your job, was there this, did you have suddenly, like, a lot more energy to pour into the art? Um, because I think I have a, we have a lot of artists that listen to the show who are, have other jobs and careers outside mm -hmm. of painting and, and really, and some of them want to take art full time. And they always ask me, like, how do you, how do you do it? And I'm always like, how do you know when to do it? There wasn't really a good moment for me. I just, I just knew I had to focus my attention here. Yeah, there wasn't a really good moment for me. I knew I wanted to. And I was, you know, at the time, actually making a lot of money with art. It was kind of to the point where it wasn't as much as, you know, the full-time job mm -hmm. I've had and worked at for seven years. But it was kind of getting up there. So when the pandemic happened... You know, it was kind of, hey, life is um, changing, too. And, you know, it was also scary. People are dying. I mean, like how many people had dreams and now they got coronavirus and they died and they will never realize those dreams. So it's kind of 
hey, there was something you wanted to do. Now's the time you should do it. Gave you that little push. Yeah. I had the same, that was the you same did. for me. That's exactly what happened. It was like, it, the world getting so crazy, it like kind of brought to light that you, life is unpredictable. You don't know what tomorrow holds. And if I'm going to be constantly waiting for the perfect moment to become a full-time painter, I could be waiting for forever because um, the world's a crazy place. And I think I, that's a story or um, a theme I've noticed among a lot of artists. And now that we are, um, you know, thank God, slowly getting out of this pandemic. I'm just curious, uh, I'm, or something I've been thinking a lot about is, okay, so how do you, you know, it took such a crazy event for some of us to like take this leap to doing art full time. Like, how do we, I don't know what I'm trying to say here, but how do you inspire that with other artists, you know, when there isn't like, do we really need a pandemic to have that happen, you know? <laughs> like, like I'd hope that, that it didn't, it wasn't, just the pandemic that made me do it. And how do we encourage other artists to take that leap without having there be some catastrophic thing happen? Well, they're they're gonna have their moment. Mm -hmm. They're like, not one day, today. Yeah. Eventually. It, it, it probably is not gonna be something as dramatic as, as that. Right. You know, maybe they'll just get to the point where they're making money and it's like, man, I don't even have time to do my nine to five anymore. I'm making so much money doing this, or it would be, I have friends. They're like, man, I, I was, I started doing murals and it got to the point where I'm like, it would cost me money to not do these murals and go work my nine to five job. Mm -hmm. so, but it's different for everyone. Um, scary too. Yeah. Very scary. It doesn't, I don't know. There's always this, everything has to happen so quick and you have to be young and be successful you have to hit all these benchmarks for a certain age or anything. Just like remember who's telling you that. It doesn't have to work that way. It could be whatever way it works out. I mean, yeah. I think everyone, I think people get in their heads of like, it's not the right time. But if yeah. it's not the right time, when is? And it, and when is is different for everyone. Right. But I found like that's where, I mean, the pandemic also gave me a little shake. And I was like, if I don't do this now. So I'm not a full-time painter, but I did. I'm working on a clothing line and that the clothing line was from basically I had lost my job during the pandemic. Um, and I was like, if I, if I don't do this now, I will never do it. I knew in my gut, like, I just like, cause I'm always so busy with my nine to five. Um, and I do, I paint uh, right now is, I don't know if I want it to be a full-time gig or not, but I still like to paint and I enjoy it. And that's what I went to school for originally. But I do think sometimes it's just like, you know, giving yourself that thought and question is like, when is the right time? Like, like what are what are the things like you can always come up with a million reasons why it's not, but what are the reasons why it is? And I think that's and Julie and I talk about this all the time when it comes to like people that are trolling you on the internet. You like can focus on that negative, but then you forget how many other people are behind you applauding you. Um, so even like that, it's like here's all you so much easier to list out like why not to do it, and then actually be like, oh, actually there's so many reasons why I should. Mm -hmm. Starting with my sanity, and I love it. <laughs> you can plan for it too, and mm -hmm. you know, have certain benchmarks, or you know, be smart about it and get there. Um, you know, I don't know. Julia, kind of you slightly, you planned ahead for yours more so than 
Yeah, I, I shouldn't, I, I definitely make it sound a lot more like I just took a giant leap without thinking. Um, but no, there was, it was, there was always a goal in my mind. Like I always knew like, that's where I want to, that's what I want to be doing. And I built in a bit of a safety net of like savings, you know, which is not so fun to talk about, but like, of like, so that if I, you know, when I take this leap, if I have a slow month, um, I'll be okay. And I, I was really lucky that I had like a really supportive partner who was like, we're going to figure this out together. And I was able to like, you know, rely on like family and friends, like in that time. And that I was so, so blessed for that. And I think, you know, it doesn't have to be such a scary journey as I think a lot of people portray it. I think there, there are so many opportunities in art and I wish people talked about that more mm -hmm. than they talked about, you know, the starving artist story. And there's, you know, I, I was actually saying um, to a friend over the weekend, who's also an artist that sometimes I feel like the, um, this, the game of being an artist is not who's the best, but who sticks with it the longest. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's not a sprint, it's a marathon and it's, and you have to enjoy that journey and go at your own pace too. So yeah, you're right. Is that how you've experienced it? Is that how you feel? Yeah. I used to think of it and I still do many times. I think of art as like, you're banging your head against a wall, <laughs> Yes. right? <laughs> On the other side of that wall is all the good things. Uh -huh. They have the good food and you're hungry and you're uh -huh. just, yeah. And the longer you can do that, the better it would be for you. Mm -hmm. it, there's there's gonna be there's gonna be some resistance and there's gonna be some hardship, you know, of course. But there's a lot of good that awaits, and I think mm -hmm. that that makes it worth it. Um, do you? How do you navigate um, in maybe your own business, or maybe even just in if there's a creative lull in your life? Like, how do you navigate those ups and downs? Um, that happens a lot. Um, I try to do new things. I try to do something maybe I never tried before because I thought it was like hard or scary or weird. Um, if I come up with an idea, I, and you know, this might also be a fault, but I chase it really hard. Like mm -hmm. any idea I get, I, it's kind of bad probably. <laughs> But, no, I, that's great. Yeah, um, and I try to do a lot of different things. You know, I that's why I made the YouTube channel, stuff like that, like different ways of getting out there. And I think that's really important to do because, you know, to broaden it up and let like as many people see your art and stuff that you're doing constantly. Um, a lot of things I've noticed lately is, you know, they people they really want to know stuff about like you as the artist they want to feel like a connection to you they want to they want to see like what does your studio look like um you know what's happening behind the scenes when you're making this video um things like that i think help to like you know be a little open i guess kind yeah, of like, and, and do stuff like if i'm in a lull and i'm not selling um paintings just because I wasn't running around trying to be in every art show that I could possibly mm -hmm. try to be in. I wasn't running around trying to do everything that was available to me. Because if you do stuff, you know, you you get things in a way. All right? Do you feel like that? 
Yeah, I think what you put into it is definitely what you what you get out of it. Like I um I think that there's obviously I'm I'm also very aware of like hustle culture of like, you know, mm-hmm. always grinding and I I think there's a balance that can be struck of like seasons that are really busy and putting yourself out there and then other times where you can find different ways to put yourself out there like online or you know posting on youtube or reels and and diversifying the way that mm-hmm. you put yourself out there so it's not quite as exhausting because doing a show every weekend is personally i don't know about everybody is not sustainable <laughs> i i couldn't do that um and also i lately my pace of painting has really slowed down and so i've had to raise my price to accommodate for the pace and so I'm just learning. I'm, pace is kind of a word I'm thinking about a lot lately and like working at my pace and finding ways that um, I can have, you know, have it all aligned and, and work for me rather than having to work so hard all the time. Yeah. That goes back to kind of what you were saying in the very beginning is like if you putting the odds in your favor, like the more times that you pitch yourself, you're opening, there's more possibilities and opportunities that could come. And I think that's where it's like, you don't, just because you hustle and work harder than anyone else does not mean that you're going to have better success, but it's you're giving yourself the opportunity. Um, and I think that's where it's like really gives artists like the place to shine. It's like just, you know, don't be nerve, Don't let fear get in your way of the opportunities um, and being OK with, you know, we were talking about earlier rejection. Um, but then my one question I have that you had kind of started talking about is like how your customers and your audience, they want to know more about you and your studio and stuff like that. Two part question. One, what are your thoughts and feelings of that? Are you one of those like an open book? You're fine letting everyone in. And what would you say to people that maybe aren't really into that? Like, do you think any thoughts for or advice for those that maybe just not their cup of tea? Well, I'm also crazy introverted. Mm -hmm. And I think I've had to try to train myself to not be like that. Um, I really feel like I help myself with the YouTube videos because like filming yourself is one of the weirdest things in the world. And I feel like that's my way of letting them kind of see more of like who I am and things like that. But I also do weird things like even down to how I dress, like every day I have the shirt with my art on it and like a thing of business cards in my pocket. Anyone says, oh, nice shirt. Talk to them. Wow. Take two seconds. Um, things like that. I know that's probably not a really good answer for your question. No, it's but, a great um, I'm, I'm trying and I can't really figure it out, but things like Patreon, you know, you can get, you know, just like, you know, they can be pictures, you know, like, oh, look at this painting that's in progress or like, oh man, I spilled my cup of coffee on this canvas. Oh. It like, doesn't have to be your like, deepest, darkest secret. Yeah. Like you can just, you know, give them into your a little peek into your day. Um, what I like really what you said too is it sounds like it's not all or nothing, like baby steps. Give yourself goals. So if you are an introvert and maybe, you know, social media makes you uncomfortable, like give yourself little benchmarks. Like maybe I, that's what I love. Like you mm-hmm. carry those cards around. So a goal and a benchmark is like if someone asks you about your shirt, you're going to have that conversation, which maybe However many years ago, you would have put your head down and walked right by. I would stay in my house and just make art. <laughs> yeah. Same. <laughs> I um, 
I relate to this a lot because so uh, I went I went on a bachelorette trip this weekend and it was for my friend. It was really fun and I was hesitating. I'm like, do I share about this trip? Is that on my professional page? And I'm like, yeah, like I I, I, I was. It's something that's fun. I'm in a city that's like a cool city and maybe I'll paint it in in a couple weeks because I do paint cities and people could be like, oh, that was from your Austin trip that you went on, or um. And I, and I like sharing, like, and so I've kind of created this little goal for myself of like, on the weekends, I need at least one day that I share things that are not art related um, that I'm doing. Um, I love to bake and cook. And so I also love to share when I'm, what I'm making, because um, I think it's another way of being creative. And I've actually gotten yeah. some feedback that a lot of people really enjoy that. And some people actually specifically like have been requesting more of it and follow me kind of for that content in some regard, which I, I was kind of wild. And so I think, you know, don't, you're not a one dimensional person. Your art is not one dimensional. So don't present it in such a one dimensional way. Like you're a person, you're not, a, you're not a brand. So. Yeah. Um, I'm going to put in my little marketing head in there. Why I think it also is so successful is you know, social media has become very much like banner ads. Like the people are always hitting you with like, buy this. It's always, here's your soda can, here's your soda can. Like not everyone wants to see soda can over and over and over again. And even though art is beautiful and different, if it's constantly being pushed in someone's face, they're kind of like, Ugh. so it's mixing it up. It's giving them that balance of like, here's, you know, my product, 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 but also here's the lifestyle behind it. And I think that's where I've seen in the advertising world such a big shift to products shifting into a lifestyle space. Yeah. So consumer goods, it's like, how can this be not just a drink, but a lifestyle? Um, yeah. And I think that's the same place with art. Like, how is this art not just, you know, a product, but how right. can it fit into your lifestyle and be part of your life? Yeah. And I and I was and I'm going to say. That with your work, like I really do get this sense of a lifestyle. I mean, you like you said, you're you're literally wearing your art on, on your body and your shirt, and and it's like, you know, you, I feel like you really literally embody the, the like living the lifestyle of your art. Is that always come naturally to you? Like, has art and your life kind of always overlapped together? Um, no, not until the big explosion that we had here in St. Pete's of like the big art explosion. Yeah. And until there was like a giant community of artists. So like, I don't know, it's been five, six years where like my best friend's an artist. Mm -hmm. Everyone I talk to is some form of artist. Every, most of the people that I interact with in a day is an artist and you get little things from talking and picking up and, you know, a little, I don't know, ego boost or, you know, raising lottery. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. and that's when it's like, after a while, it's like, wow, I'm like a completely different person, but it's like the person I was always supposed to be. Yeah. It's really true. It's who you surround yourself with that, you know, you become more, more like, and um, if there was, if there's an artist um, out there listening to this, who is maybe feeling a little bit alone, maybe they don't know where to find artists in their community. Do you have any recommendations for how they could get in touch with, like, similarly to what you said before, like there really wasn't this sort of like close knit community in St. Pete, you know, eight years ago. Um, yeah, just some simple like steps that they could take. 
Um, if there's not an R scene, then build one. Yeah. And you just need a couple of artists at first, two, three artists, and then you'll meet more and you'll do some art stuff and you'll meet more and it'll just go from there. You just got to take the you know first step. I think when I did it, um, started the St. Pete art meetups, I think I just kind of went on Craigslist and said, hey, I'm an artist. I want to hang out with other artists. Let's go to this bar and, and meet up. And like, that's how that happened. Yeah. That's awesome. It just takes like a simple step like that. Yeah. Word of mouth will travel fast. And it's so it's delightfully surprising how many artists are around you that you just don't even know. Because I think we do have a lot of people that maybe they're not doing it full time or they keep it to themselves because it's very you know intimate and maybe they're not ready to share it. But they want that community to help build that support system. Um, I feel like that I've noticed there's so many people that I like stumble across and I'm like, oh, my gosh, I was like, you're also a painter like that. And I would never like for me in marketing, I'm on the creative side, so I'm a designer. But there's people on the account side that um, I didn't even know were, you know, artistic and they have create beautiful work. It's just it's something that they do for themselves. It happens to me, too. I get sometimes a friend. They're like, I, I've been wanting to show you this for a while because I really like your art and respect you. And here's here's some art that I've done. And I'm like, wow, that's crazy. Like, that's so good. Why do you hide it? Yeah. Why haven't you done anything with that? And like, oh, I just felt it was silly or it wasn't good enough. I'm like, well, you just said that you respected me as an artist, whatever. And I'm telling you, that's good enough. You can do whatever you want with it. Like, show everyone. It's yeah. so important, just like we, how we kind of started this conversation. Like, you know, was it a teacher or your family who, like, initially gave you the boost or support you need? Like, it really sometimes just is like a nice, a kind word, a gesture of like encouragement that's going to really push somebody to keep going because, you know, this is a hard road. It is vulnerable and, and scary at times. And I think that's why it's so important that, you know, you reach out and find people and also why it's so important, like to not be negative and to be inclusive because it can really like hinder somebody's somebody's journey, including my own. Like I've had so many times, like Aaron said earlier, where like those nasty comments like get to me online. How, how have you um, personally dealt with the negativity? Oh, it's just, it just happened so much yeah. to me over the years where it's like, you know, I'm iron skinned about it. Um, the worst time I did this mural and it was like, a three-piece mural and there was like three businesses but they're like really close together and they shared the little wall mm. and one guy moved in there and he just hated it and he just went on facebook now uh, first like the facebook live thing and was just like trashing it and then he put pictures on the facebook and just like trashing it and someone sent it to me and by that time there's like a thousand comments on that facebook post of just like horrible stuff about oh, that thank you Fred, for sharing that <laughs> and you know the one that i remember is one of those facebook comments that stuck with me is like does this person have schizophrenia and they believe like in their mind that that's good art 
but we see it as whatever this is. Oh and God. yeah, that one made my girlfriend delete Facebook and never look at it again. Oh my God, um, it would make me delete. Like and, you know, over the years, so I just, I don't know, it doesn't affect me anymore. I mean, but that's just the reminder. I'm more, yeah. I'm more like if someone says anything bad, I don't know if I can cuss on your podcast, but I was just like, hey, go F. Yeah. No, you can you can you can say that on here. Yeah. And if if someone does oh, it, yeah. you tell me, I'll I'll go yell at them too. You know, if they you mean to you say, hey, cuss at this dude, I'll go cuss at him for you. But seeing how like I mean, just thinking about like with this conversation and that question, like that clearly stuck with you. Like you you just told us the exact Facebook quote reference, like, and I think that's where like the world and other artists need to be aware of that. If you're not, it's artist, not a bad thing or a weakness that it stuck with you because we all no, have no, that. No. Like, it's, it doesn't, you know, it's totally normal. Yeah, but I think that's the reminder to everyone though. That's just like, don't like if you're another artist, support. Like, leave an extra comment on that artist's work, like because that goes such a long way in the artist community, and I think that gets overlooked. I think we're all like, you know, trying to stay afloat as our own fog out those haters yeah like make them Good. feel like the only one that thinks that and in your um in your nice comment or encouragement that you leave for that person is going to help combat that facebook message that sticks in their brain you exactly. know that you might not even be aware of and so i think that's why it's, it's so important and in terms of like you know advice to any artist to like not take that personally like yeah i know it's easy to say don't take it personally but it things will stick with you. They will. And I think also talking about it, like, I think even just you sharing that, that comment that, that someone left it, like, it points out how ridiculous it is. You know, here we are interviewing you. We love your art, you know, like, and I think it takes away the shame of it. Like there's no, that, that's shame on that person, like not shame on us as artists, you know, well, and that we all can relate to it. We all as artists can be like, yep, we've, Maybe not gotten the exact word for word, but we've gotten those hateful comments before. And so it just shows like, it's clearly not the art. It's clearly not the artist. Yeah, and that person was probably a person who probably had dreams or aspirations mm -hmm. that some other horrible mean person crushed like that. Yeah. And didn't bounce back or absorb it. And that's why they were that way. Yeah. Hurt exactly. people, hurt people. Yeah. Um, yeah. On a more positive yeah. note, <laughs> I would love to know what you're working on currently, what you're excited about, um, what's what's upcoming for you. Um, I will. I want to do more murals. Yeah. I'm, I'm trying to get my YouTube channel to kick off. It is way harder than I ever thought it was going to be. Mm -hmm. um, but I really like doing it. It's fun and. You know, it's kind of a double-edged sword. I know, like, I spend hours and hours making the videos, editing them, and then putting them on the internet for, like, the 40 people to watch them. But at the same time, I feel like that's giving me more, like, of a freedom <laughs> that I can, like, you know, I got to be so shy. And I can be myself and do whatever I want because, you know, no one's really paying attention anyhow. <laughs> if that makes any sense. Yeah, no, it makes a lot of sense because we also, we have like, you know, we have some dedicated listeners, but we're not like a massive podcast. Yeah. <laughs> and I personally, there's some times where I like think about like, do I want this podcast to blow up? Like, I'm not entirely sure. Right. Like, I'm like, I kind of like being able to express my opinions to you and influence like, you know, 
a smaller group of people who really, really care and get me. Mm -hmm. um, but, but yeah, but at the same time though, I also think this is, it's great practice, you know, like the, I don't think we should all think of small, a small audience as a negative. It's like, you get to practice in front of a small group yep. of people who really support you and get better and better. And so you'll be ready when it gets big. Yeah. Yeah. Think about our first episode. We scripted it. Nice. I, I still script my YouTube videos because I have this weird thing when it's me alone, where I will say something and then I just like, stop. You guys probably have to deal with this. You mm -hmm. like say a sentence and you're just like, where was that? Oh, there's a bunch of space in between your words. Yep. And then you have to go in there and you see the little peaks and valleys, valleys in the recording. Sound, yeah. Cut out the empty space. Yeah. Yep. Oh, yeah. We'll have to, we have a, an artist friend that we've connected with and talked to a lot that um, really her main focus was uh, YouTube. So we'll it have to YouTube, connect yeah. you with her, um, another yeah. artist community. And that's like her her space and she's and she does a kind of art that's similar i would say yeah. style wise to you cat leapins um i'll give her your name after this but she's really cool no i've been writing down all kinds of stuff that you guys say because okay. cool stuff. no but cat's um, awesome she's done a lot of you guys already well i think okay. you did didn't you paint a skateboard or you paint skate yeah i just painted some so she does that too. And she does a lot of like resin dips. Um, you know, I think I probably watched her video before I made my video just to see if there was something cool that she did in her video. Yeah. That you'd want. Yeah, yeah. no, she. It was the ice cream and it had the skulls. Yeah, ice cream and the skulls. That's her. Yeah. yeah, that's her. That was a very yeah. cool video. She used yeah. to work with me in advertising on the account side. She's actually one of the people that I didn't even know was artistic until all of a sudden I was like, wait. And she's, you know, artistic in so many different ways, like sculpture. That's where she like kind of like started with her YouTube was doing more sculptural stuff um, yeah. before she jumped into the painting world. But I think, um, yeah, I mean, it just shows that YouTube is it's a place and people are looking for and they love it and they want it. Yeah. yeah. And you get your own little artistic communities on there. Yep. Yeah. Where things like uh, the guy Ten Hundred is doing collaborations, where yes. he sends the paintings to other YouTube people, and it goes all around all around the world or whatever. She knows Ten Hundred. Yeah. Yeah, I was like, wait a second. She's. I was like, that's how I've heard of him is through her. Yeah, she knows him. Yeah, there's all this like crossover. Yeah. I think within like it's a lot smaller of a community than I think people realize, and I think similar to what you said before, like you feel like you're banging your head into the wall, and, you, and then you're slowly chipping away at it. But it, you know, it takes some time to like get the ground. I mean, my Instagram account I've had for like at least 10 years mm -hmm. and it, literally in the past six months, it's like exponentially grown. I was, I've been chipping, I've been doing it for 10 mm -hmm. years and yeah. it, I'm not saying it's, it would take everybody 10 years, but that's kind of, that's kind of how it goes sometimes, you know? Yeah. There's a breaking point, I guess. Mm -hmm. You get that. I don't know. Yeah. I think kind of funny and weird with it. What's that? You said Instagram or? Yeah, I don't. All that stuff hurts my head. I can't do it. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think everyone really finds their own. So she gets from you and then I try them. You did help me with a couple of things though. Okay, good. Like that arrow thing says the trending music. And if you use that, it yes. gets you more stuff in the reels. Uh-huh. Yeah, there's, it's, it's. I, I also try not to think too much about it either. I just like, I just find things I like and I have fun with it. Mm -hmm. 
And I think that I had that shift actually, and it, this is gonna sound so annoying to be like, now whenever I, when I just started having fun with it, it started to take off, you know, like, but that kind of is what happened. I just kind of started to be like, this is a funny audio. This is cool, this is whatever. And I didn't think too much about it. I didn't, I stopped really tracking it and then it started to take off. So yeah. I don't know. There's no science. Finding, yeah, there's no science. It's like finding your space. Like for me, when I, I mean, I've kind of like fallen off the face of the earth for it. But when I was really active on it, it was when I started being authentic and honest and very open and vulnerable. That's when mine took off. So it just makes it just totally depends. Different, completely different audience. But it's just kind of like finding what fits for you, what works for you. Um, but I can say that burnt me out. Um, oh yeah, it, I got burnt out. Burnout. Um, so. I mean, I was doing it professionally. I was doing it as an influencer. I was doing it, you know, and I got to a point that I was always on it and I just couldn't keep up with life. And I found that I was, it was no longer fun. And I think that's where like people need to keep that fun. Otherwise you do, otherwise you become me. Who's like, eh, I'm just, I'm not even gonna. <laughs> yeah. You have fun with it now? Um, you come back? I ha I'm trying, I'm trying. I'm trying to find that inspiration of what I want to share. Um, yeah, I had, I had a lot of haters and I think it got to me. And so I took a step back and I was like, I just needed to cut the noise out. And so, and unfortunately, like the haters were taking attacks at me personally, not necessarily like a product or something. Um, so I hope that, you know, I eventually will return. Just got to find that spark again. Yeah. I'm sorry. I hope you find it. <laughs> I hope so too. It used to be fun, but I do think that's where something I have noticed that when it was fun for me too, is when I found other people to collaborate and work with and making events out of it. So even like photo shoots, when I, I when I taught yoga, I had a few yoga instructors that we would, you know, meet together and just do a fun, fun, crazy day of like different yoga stuff. Um, so I like encourage a lot of people to even try that if they're kind of like, don't even know what to do with social media or even like, filming like you know help each other like hey we can work together and make this video together if you help me i help you um make it an event make it fun i think that's something that you know gives me that spark back i'm like oh yeah this is why i did this i really do like creating content um but it can be isolating if it's always on your own now right yeah you're behind you're hidden behind that digital device yeah and i like to tell people whatever you think that i'm doing that you think is good, come tell me. I'll, I'll show you how I do it exactly. Like, yeah, you know, I don't want to be doing stuff alone. And I know a lot of artists out there think of like other artists are like your competition, or they're gonna be better or whatever. It's not. It's really not the way. No. If you work with other people, you you get way more stuff than being like adversarial yeah. or weird. We that's what we always talk about because like even if you were to look, if all three of us were to hold up one of our pieces of art so incredibly different they are not the same audience like there's someone who will who will love and be so passionate about your individual piece like that's the thing is like we're not each other's competitor um mm -hmm. we're just filling the space with with great art where someone out there uh, you just got to find them and they got to find you to be passionate about it as well so it's actually megan um who's the one who introduced us megan russ shout out um she um she is really actually not just an artist but also an art collector and she has all these um different pieces of art that she puts on the wall of her studio um and around her house because 
she and they're all so different and her big thing is she's like i love looking at it because it reminds me that i'm just one person and i love all these different things and that there's space for there's space for everybody if i am one person i love all these different kinds of art i remember her saying that too i want to have a with it i i need to i don't have i don't have enough space in my studio for that but whenever i do which hopefully will be soon I'm going. I'm gonna take no- a note from her, and I'm gonna do that um, because I think it's so profound and so true that like it's really not like there is truly space for everybody, and you you don't. Not everyone just likes one thing too. That should be so. a gallery. I'm thinking the marketing stuff. I'm like that's such a beautiful sentiment. Like making it a coffee shop where there's space for everyone. Like you're yeah. inclusive to everyone. Um, is that the right yeah. word? Inclusive. She's the best. Yeah. She yeah. is. or a gallery or something it's just so welcoming like there is a place for everyone it's just yeah. well i you know i hope everybody speaking of the youtube what where can people find you on yes. youtube and go subscribe um it's just youtube slash aurelius artists mm-hmm. and it's really hard to spell but if you if you we'll get the letters right then it's it'll work Okay. U R A I L. I think by the time you get there, it'll mm-hmm. it'll work. It'll populate. And you got also Aurelius.com, my website, where it, it will link you to all that stuff. Perfect. I should make it, I should make it easier one. I'll no, and anyone that's interested, all that information will be provided in our caption. Um, so hopefully you all will check that out. Yeah, and also if you are in the St. Pete area or not, apply to the shows that you put on. Um, one is the next, so the it's the robot show. Is yeah, that- the St. Pete Robot Exchange. Um, they normally happen. I don't know, October, sometime around there. But if you look at my Instagram and stuff, you'll see um, I always do a call to artists, like I don't know, three four months away from the art show. Perfect. Awesome. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Aurelius, for chatting with us today. I feel like this was a really helpful conversation and I think hopefully inspirational to other artists. Cool. And thank you for having me. You guys are awesome. Oh, thank you. This was really, really try. (laughs) (laughs) Really try.